Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, we talk to startups who are scaling all kinds of startups, right? We're constantly talking to founders about what that looks like, how it works, what getting bigger involves. And very frequently, one of the biggest challenges that they're facing is that line item on the P&L called staffing, right? And the cost, the necessity of it, and how much that swells. And we're typically talking about full-time salaries, full-time employees, but if we really break down what a startup needs at any given point, like how necessary is a full-time role for what is still a very part-time job in most cases? Yeah, I don't know why this hasn't been a much bigger topic, yeah. right? Like you were saying, like we're talking about our biggest line item and probably 90% of startups is staffing. And yet in many ways, it's been kind of the most under-addressed cost structure in everything that we do, which is kind of interesting to me because the startups have been on the vanguard of innovating like the workplace, right? So back in the day, like in the 90s, when like, you know, our typical kind of startups were coming out, we had all this office space innovation. I remember how mind blown people were when Yahoo put a slide into their office space. Like, you know, my God, the people at Gold never, you know, never wrap their heads around it. And, and so picturing somebody on Goldman on a slide, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Um, but but think about it. Like we've been on, on the vanguard among startups of kind of innovating within the workplace. And now it's, you know, taken to the next level with remote work forced upon us, but certainly we were there first. So why aren't we having a discussion to say, why is my OPEX so big? You know, why is my staffing line so big? Like, why am I paying these huge premiums if I'm no longer getting? the full-time effect of people. Everyone's cool with work-life balance, which I, which you and I have been huge proponents of, right? But now, isn't there a part where it should cost us less? <laughs> people are working less hours, shouldn't it cost us less? Cost us less or buy us more, right? There's a lot of ways to look at that, right? So I, I think we can slice that one a couple different ways. But yeah, it's interesting, right? So, you know, we've had this, you know, as you said, this remote piece has been forced on us. We've seen a lot of other innovation in the space. And yet we haven't seen a real dialogue around this. Yes, there are more people doing fractional work, but it's still a bit of a fringe thing, right? It's still not the norm. There are people making it work and there are people who are really successful at it, but it's still not, not the norm at this point, which does still seem quite bizarre to me. And it just feels like another one of those things. It's like, now that we haven't had offices for a couple of years, it's like, God, do you remember life in the office? It's like trying to remember having, not having a cell phone. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. There was yeah. a point where I had to walk to a telephone and hope that someone else was standing <laughs> next to one when I called them. Like, can you imagine that shit now? It never worked. Well, yeah. yeah. So let's go a little history lesson. Sure. Kind of how we got to this concept of hourly, full-time, in the way that we've historically known it, and what an anachronism it truly is. So back in the way back in the day, we had manufacturing. And that's really where all this came from. You needed humans to create product. They could create a certain amount of products per hour. And so you paid them hourly. And that was literally your cost of goods sold. Humans would make things that you would ship and manufacture. And it made sense. And so we took that model that you know humans create hourly work of production or hourly units. And it persisted in banking, it persisted in accounting, it persisted in legal, it persisted in all of professional services, right? The agency world, everything was units of human time. And the idea was, 
once we moved people off the manufacturing lines and put them in offices, we still had the manufacturing mentality where I need a person in a seat for a certain amount of hours to produce units of value that I'm going to pay for hourly and by way that a salary, you know, et cetera. But then we took the machine that was offices off the table. And all of a sudden, we kind of didn't need all of your time in the right. same block. <clears throat> yep. Because when I said, hey, you have to get in your car at 8 a.m., drive to the office, and be basically locked up, if you will, right, for nine hours, you physically couldn't do anything else. You were actually here and unable to do things. Now, the workplace has changed a bit, but still kind of the same idea. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, dude, you don't need to come here at all. We only need you for X amount of time or X amount of, of output. Why are we paying for all of it? As founders, why aren't we thinking, damn, dude, I could cut my OPEX in half, my you know staffing line in half, if I'm only paying for the value that I need. I'm shocked that we aren't thinking like that more consistently. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think in the startup space, it's probably easier than anywhere else because as we're incrementally growing, we can be incrementally adding more people, more time, but that's not generally how it goes, right? And this is an interesting point I want to stick on for just a second, which is that these decisions, because this tends to be the, the biggest line item, well, you and I talk to founders pretty much every day of the week who say, I need to go raise funds. And what is typically the number one reason they're doing that so that they can pay for their team or pay for a team, right? They're talking about adding. And so the very notion that people are being forced into, they're deciding to enter into fundraising simply so they can hire a team that is probably far more cost than they actually need at that given point. Because again, they're thinking, you know, I need, you know, two engineers, I need two marketing people, I need somebody in ops, I need right, all this stuff. And yet the reality is they probably don't need them all specifically at once, right? You're going to throw all that money at once and you're going to start somebody who on the day they start, there's going to be a little bit of work to be done, right? This tends to be the way this goes in a startup, right? We begin these nascent efforts. They grow over time and they expand. But the idea specifically that people are giving up equity or just running around trying to raise funds instead of just building their business in order to take on these overheads that they probably don't need, fuck. It's just like, it hurts. It's painful when we get into these conversations, right? I think that, that we're in a position where we genuinely believe that the only way that we're going to be able to grow a real business is, is hire full-time people in the kind of the traditional sense. Again, I think we're really mentally stuck in a very dated model that's running very counter to how we should be building startups right now. And frankly, how, should, how people should be living and, and providing their trade. Well, if there aren't lots of us and we're not all together, how will we drive the woolly mammoth off the cliff so we can eat it, right? <laughs> Some of these things <laughs> go agree. like, I mean, way, they're like biological, right? We're like, we need to be together. We're social animals. I need other people in the same place so that I can make sure they're doing work and so that I can feel comfortable doing mine. Which there's a certain amount of value, yep. right? Let's point out there are a hundred different scenarios of how you could be building your startup and what your requirements are. So this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Let's say even if it's a one-size-fits-half, it's still frigging important because a big to your deal. point, every day we're looking at pitch decks, every single day whenever we go to use of funds, it's almost all staff, right? Generally speaking, most startups, not all of them, they're not building manufacturing plants and things like that. So the balance of how we're raising money or trying to bootstrap is hiring people. And so the first thing I think we have to step back as, as an industry, being the startup industry, and, and ask ourselves is, again, what is full-time employment? It used to just be the universal understanding of compensation. It used to be, and when I say it used to be, really up until today, it used to be 
this person makes $100,000 as the equivalent of a full-time in the market. And therefore, if you want them, you have to buy all of them. And you have to pay the entire premium. That's it. Now, think of how many places that just doesn't apply. When I ran an ad agency, you didn't buy our team full-time. You rented what you need when you needed them. And guess what? We launched major brands with like BMW, Best Buy, Eli Lilly, all these major brands bought what they needed when they needed it. And it worked really well. And part of the reason it worked really well for them is because when they didn't need it, they just stopped paying it, right? It doesn't work out quite as well for the agency, right? Because this is, So the irony there is, the irony there is the model is that somebody else can access your team fractionally, but you're paying for them full time, right? So there's a challenge there because in times of, of feast, it's great. In times of famine, right? It's layoffs. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, from, from our stand as startups, as we're building our, our staffing line, what I would love to, he- to hear people say is, here's what I need. I need this output. It could be marketing KPIs, or it could be a certain amount of product. It could be whatever. And here's about how long I need it for. That's what I'm looking to pay for. Again, we're caught in this mentality that if we need an attorney, or if we need a doctor, we have to hire them full-time at that maximum rate and make it so they could only work with us, and that's it. And what a massive amount of inefficiency. I think when we talk about inefficiency, let's talk about how many things we're paying for, but not getting, right? In other words, we think we're paying for all of people's time. We're not. One of the examples I've used is ask somebody, well, you have three kids. I was going to say ask them with three kids. <laughs> you have three kids in the middle of spring break, right? There's a million distractions. Dude, I have two kids, right? In the, as soon as spring break hits, actually, there's spring break hits in three days. I'm going to watch my productivity go off off a cliff, right? And that's with (laughs) full-time help of watching these beautiful children. And that's just one example. But like, I don't think we have people's full-time anymore. You know what I mean? No. And honestly, we, we sort of know we never really did. Like, there's plenty of science out there that sort of tells you, here's how many productive hours any given human has. There's another cut to this whole thing, though, which is that when you do start to employ people full-time, what are the chances that that highly specific thing that that person does is something you need 40 hours of every week, right? Just where I was going to go. So like the idea that, you know, we need whatever your superpower is that we somehow have 40 hours of that. And that's all you're going to spend your time doing. That'd be great. It just tends not to be the case. If you're a cardiothoracic surgeon, then you probably do spend most of your time just doing surgery, right? Cool. For everybody else, what ends up happening is that they we end up filling employees' time with things so that we justify that 40 hours that aren't Absolutely. their superpower. So they're getting admin stuff thrown at them, or worse, they're getting stuff thrown at them that they're actually not that good at, but they're the one who's there and they have time and they have cycles, so we end up throwing it at them. Startups are exceptionally prone to this, and so when I get this question, and it's all the time, right? Like I, when I'm, I'm doing office hours with founders or, or one-on-ones, group workshops, whatever, people are saying like, hey, we want to build our marketing team. We want to build our marketing team. We need to hire somebody. What, what should our first hire be? I was like, if you don't have a team yet and you're thinking about your first hire, it probably shouldn't be a hire, right? You should probably be thinking, 
what function do I need most right now? And what's the least I can contract to get the most value from that? And that is not putting a generalist in a seat and hoping that they really perform well across 40 hours of a work week. That's just not the way it works. If you break it down that way, logically, you would never think like, yeah, you know what? I'm you know, got this, this cardiothoracic surgeon. I also need my lawn mode. I also need my, right? You're not going to do that. You would not do this anywhere else. And yet in startup land, especially, we hire somebody and then, you know, maybe we hire a paid, paid search person and they take on paid search and that's great. And there's about nine to 12 hours of that to do per week. Well, what the hell do we do with the other 28? They've got to do something. Okay, so peace. We'll find something for them to do. Um, maybe they can write some copy. Maybe they can, you know, can handle some of our other MarTech. It just doesn't really make sense. And so I'm a huge proponent of just buying people superpower time until you can justify that full-time hire. And we've done this a number of times where I, the, one of the better examples, we had somebody that we were, we had on contract through an agency for over three years before they became a full-time hire with us, right? Because we just continued to grow that function until it was like, well, now it makes sense. Now we actually have a full-time job for this individual, right? If you can find yourself in a situation like that, you're far better off to pay just for the superpower instead of just filling people's time. Or how about this? Because I think you're touching on this. How about if I only have, let's say, $100,000 to spend on a function, right? Why am I buying a mediocre $100,000 person versus buying the best $250,000 person for a fraction of the time that I'm actually going to use the most? Because I'm going to get way more value. Again, in the back of our minds, we're pushing back on that. In the back of our minds, we're like, no, no, no. I want this person thinking about this business 24-7 in the shower, et cetera. Cool, except they're not. They're not. Right? That's not really the way people work. It sounds cool. It sounds awesome. It sounds like everyone's just focused on this one thing. There's nothing else, and they've got all their chips on this. I just don't think that's the reality of the world anymore. And I think the world's waking up to it much faster than the startups or the people who are, are writing those checks or making that payroll are realizing. And I think there's a whole other side to this evolution, this revolution around remote work, around freelance, et cetera, that's missing. I would love to see more pitch decks with the use of funds talk about the efficiency of how they're going to spend. We've got $500,000 to spend. Here's how we're going to spend it as efficiently as possible with the top talent we can get at the times we need it in the way that we need it. Every single deck says the same thing. I'm going to hire a developer. I'm going to hire a marketer. I'm going to whatever. It's like the same thing. And it's like, how is it every company needs all of that at the same time? It doesn't make any sense. Well, here, here's another one to throw at you. So another scenario that routinely plays out because of this inability to afford the full-time hire that you don't actually need, people take on co-founders. They're like, look, there's some more work that needs to be done, but I can't afford to pay anybody. So let me inextricably tie myself to another human in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> to fill a really, really poorly defined role that they clearly and objectively aren't fit to handle, right? They can't take on everything that needs to be done, but they'll put in 40 hours and they won't make me pay them anything or, or we'll pay ourselves very little. So that works out well, right? It, it doesn't. It doesn't. We've talked about this a, a hundred times and we talked about it once. You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new. Everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you, which means the answer already exists. You may just not know it, but that's okay. 
That's kind of what we're here to do. We talk about this stuff on the show, but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com. So if any of this sounds familiar, stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. It also has this really broken assumption that the folks working also have a full-time persistent contribution like you were talking about before. Generally speaking, we all have highs and lows of our contribution. Even as a CEO, I have highs and lows, some places where my time is being very well utilized, and most of the time where it's not. If you were to say like, Will, where's the time where as a CEO, anybody, not just me, would be you know, getting utilized the most at, at their absolutely highest level of, of their pay range, right? You would th you'd think things like getting big deals done, right? You do an acquisition, a sale, fundraising, things like that. You would talk about maybe setting a strategy. Maybe there's some aspect of strategy that only you could set that, you know, nobody else could do. It could be recruiting. That's obviously an important part, you know, if you're doing it at some of the highest levels. And again, there's all these things that individually are super high value. But what do you do with the other 90% of your time? <laughs> right? Yeah, I was saying, like, but yeah. we're also paying for a lot of my time where I'm not doing things that are high value, right? Now, whenever I look at that as the, the guy that's providing that time, I'm constantly saying to myself, like, how am I using my time so that, like, I'm worth my salary, so to speak? I'm very conscious of that. But, you know, also being responsible for everybody's payroll, that's why wouldn't I be thinking like that? I'm also our CFO. But most of the folks on staff aren't thinking like that, right? They're thinking about things totally different. They're like, shit, if, if he'll pay me, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's yeah, basically it, it, right? Where I can. And now, now we're seeing the phenomenon where we're saying that in parallel too, right? Where it's like, well, if they'll pay me, fuck it. And if they'll also pay me, fuck it. If they'll pay me, yeah, fuck I it, mean, right? Like this, that it's, it's the quiet quitting where you're kind of stringing along multiple jobs where you're not really doing what you're supposed to be doing or you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, but maybe in less time than what is expected. Ergo, you can pack in two, three, four roles at once. And look, I think part of the problem is that that dialogue just needs to be opened up. If somebody can say like, look, here's the value you expect from me. I'm giving that to you. That is currently taking me 15 hours of my week. So that's what it's worth to both of us. It's worth me spending 15 hours. You're getting what you want. I'm getting paid what I need. And I'm going to do that for somebody else and somebody else. And I'm going to work 45 hours a week, right? That is just, it's this kind of cloak and dagger maneuvers now, unless you're a freelancer or a contractor auspiciously, then it works. But I, we just need to open this dialogue up more and say like, look, why don't we do this? Why don't we find ways to make this work? Why don't we have like a clear dialogue around how could you divide up your week and how could we divide up where your paychecks come from? Because uh, there, there's so many benefits. Like we've, we've talked about some of the benefits to the startup, which is paying people for the value you actually need meaning that you may reduce your overheads or maybe you just direct that money into a better resource. To your example around, rather than paying, you know, picking the person who fits the salary requirement that you have, right? Not generally a good way of doing that. Like, we only have 100K, so we can only get the 100K person. No, we need a $200,000 resource, so let's get half their time. That's a huge benefit to the startup, right? It's also a massive benefit to the people who are on the fractional side because in most cases, they garner a slightly higher per hour rate they have more flexibility, and your eggs from an income standpoint aren't all in one basket, which if you've been working for a startup or hell, even a global tech giant over the last year and a half, <laughs> you'd certainly appreciate that one, right? Yeah, of course. And here's the thing. I think that the high-performing people, the high-performing people can generally pull off two or three jobs kind of thing. Again, you are seeing it right now. And frankly, 
most founders have been doing that since the dawn of time. In other words, they're working for their current company and starting their new company. It's kind of how things get, tend to get done, high-performing people. Now, if we take that down a notch, down a notch in this case being the productive folks, right? And I don't want to pick on, say, customer service because some of them are incredibly productive, but let's just say that job, right? Where it tends to not be a, a skilled position where you have a, like a, an attorney or an investment banker level of value, you know, that, that you can derive. Generally speaking, I'm on the phone, I'm answering questions, I'm dealing with customers. It's a pretty commoditized offer. If someone were to come to me and say, hey, we only need you for 20 hours a week. In that case, I might be saying like, dude, that's cool. But there isn't really a market where I can fill the other 20 hours a week very easily. If you want me, if you want to you know, fill this role, I'm going to have to kind of pay for all my time, whether I'm using it or not. And that I get. But I would still look at that and say, hmm, wherever we're not getting the full value, we really got to be asking ourselves why we're paying the full amount. Well, and that's where you have to question whether that full-time hire is the right move. Maybe you pay a little more on a per-hour basis, but you go through an agency who solves that problem for you of, we only need 20 hours of your time. And they're saying, well, I need a full-time job. Cool, you work for the agency and I'll pay them for the time that I need from you. Again, there's a premium there. There's a premium applied, but it's a net benefit to the employee, the contractor in this case. It's a net benefit to the startup, you know, based on the fact that there's certainly, hopefully, you're not paying twice their hourly rate for half the time um, if you are. Might as well have hired them full-time. As some of our listeners know, we've got a, a company that we own called Zirtual.com. It's a virtual assistant business. And I bring this up just because we have a lot of experience with this topic. So we've got a, a lot of people that come to us, you know, a lot of founders, and they say, hey, I need 40 hours a month worth of time. But that's it. And so they, they hire their virtual assistant at not like a huge premium, but more than they would otherwise pay. But here's what's cool about this. And again, this all speaks to the ways people use it intelligently. They say to themselves, if I need to go from, say, 40 hours to 20 hours, I can just make that adjustment. Flip of a switch. Yep. Correct. In a traditional sense, and what we're seeing with all these layoffs is, it's binary. I either have people or I don't. If I can't use them for the full amount, they don't have a job anymore, right? That's very, very, very challenging. But what we're seeing is that all of these people that couldn't otherwise afford, say, a dedicated assistant, now have one. So you got to start to think to yourself, if all I'm thinking about is in terms of paying everyone full boat, how many spots on the team am I not staffing for? Because I overstaffed the other ones. There's a massive cost to overbuying. You mentioned the perfect one, which is everyone wants to find a co-founder CTO because everyone wants to get their app built for free, right? And you look at that and you're like, okay, that's cool. That is a moment in time that you need them, but you don't necessarily need that person full-time all the time. There's a million software you know, engineering firms that can do this for a moment in time where you're like, oh, I've got to pay this person $175,000 a year. Dude, you go to a job shop, you could probably get the whole thing built for less than $175,000 with no equity and, <laughs> and probably more accountability. It's a broken construct that we're trying to build everybody with the same giant, super expensive bricks. It's, it's bananas to me. It is. No, it, it's silly. And, and I think, again, given the changes in the environment over the last couple of years, I mean, this is decades in the making, of course, right? Just the, the way work has changed, the fact that we're easy to be distributed now. We all have all the computing power we need on our phones or in our laptops, right? It didn't used to be that way. You had to have a big desktop rig. You had to go sit in an office, right? Internet was expensive or crappy at home. Like none of those things are true anymore. We have all the base infrastructure we need to work from pretty much 
anywhere. And that is, we're continuing that. I mean, now Elon's going to have satellites spinning the globe, you know, spitting internet into basically every corner of the planet. So we have all of this capability and we now have more reasons to want to do this, right? Again, just the overall efficiency and look like from the employee side, would you rather have that full-time role with one company or two or three roles where you've actually got something that you really enjoy doing and a little bit of variety, right? Well, the other side of it is the assumption is that by hiring one person for one job and kind of taking up all their time, that I'm also getting maximum amount of value. What I mean by that is not necessarily some of the value that we provide, like when we talk to other founders, is that we talk to lots and lots and lots of founders. We don't just work on one company with one product with one thing. So we get to compare notes with everybody. Now, this goes back to the agency world. You bring someone on from the agency, and presumably they've worked with lots of clients. They've seen lots of different scenarios. They can say things like, hey, I'm managing your PPC spend. Guess what? All the prices are going up across the board. You know how I know this? Because I've got five other clients, and we all deal with that. How invaluable is that in the formative stages of your startup to be able to have different kind of perspectives on how things are going. You know, we've had this benefit us numerous times in numerous ways. The other side of it is for the, the actual employee, if you're doing one thing all the time and you do nothing else, how do you level up? It's like an attorney that practices one type of law with one client with, you know, one purview. The moment another client comes on with a slightly different case, yep. they've got no experience to support it, right? That's a dangerous position for them as well. I think it helps to have, have those multiple inputs. Oh, for sure. No, I think it's, it's beneficial to both sides. I think that what we lack right now is the higher level infrastructure to really enable and make people feel comfortable with this. Certainly all of the actual infrastructure is there to make it happen. It's the mental frameworks that we're missing that, that allow us to say, this is okay, right? And look, there are a couple of philosophical arguments that, you know, what about things like team cohesion? What about things like, you know, just that osmotic effect of having people in those full-time roles where all they're doing is, which again, like we know we're not constantly thinking about it. Like as, as an employee, you're not always thinking about your company, your job. But when we steep in a little bit more, what about those intangibles? What about all those other things, those byproducts of full-time work that might be a benefit to the company? To which I would say, yeah, they might be. You know, those byproducts might be good. You know, those intangibles might be something that's worth something. But how about in the meantime, <laughs> we pay for tangibles in the meantime, let's pay for tangibles and let's buy what we actually need. And again, like going back to the, the budgetary constraints, right? Every startup is in a resource constrained situation, all right? And so let me use a really dumb example here. But if you're building a pizza, right, and you've got 10 bucks right now to spend, Let's say you got two bucks to spend, sorry, $10 would, would more than do it. You got two bucks to spend. You can buy the bag of flour, or you could buy the eggs, or you could buy the package of pepperoni. What good is any of that shit going to do you in isolation? Right? One of those things does not a pizza make. And so pay more for a single slice of ready pizza. That's what you need right now, startup land. You need the full complement of resources that will get you to that next step. And if you buy somebody's full time, you are likely hampering your ability to do that in so many ways, or you're dictating a path, which is to say, you know, you're going to go down the fundraising path. And now you've really limited your potential outcomes. And we've, we've talked, we've drawn about that for, I don't know, four or five hours across various episodes, but it's a dangerous move. 
given that we're so resource constrained, you would think that we'd be thinking to ourselves, man, I cannot hire any full-time people. Like, uh, I wish that's what people were thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was like that, that 10% I might get of people's shower thoughts or some kind of yeah. like team cohesion right. is cool. I'd love to buy that someday, maybe, but I can't afford it now or said differently, what I'd be paying for that, that premium. I've got a hundred other places to put it right now, right? I've got a hundred other things that I need to get done. Not to mention, I'm at the most expensive period in my startup life of making that decision, which is to say, I'm giving up equity to get this money. If I'm not wildly, wildly focused on how to optimize every single penny of my spend in order to stretch it as far as I can, so I don't have to continue to dilute and take the most expensive money I'll ever take, why wouldn't that be the most top of mind thing possible? Right. Also, how many startups are that optimized? Pretty much none of them. Yeah, agreed. It, which seems odd given how innovative we are, you know, as an industry. I genuinely believe we're going to see a massive renaissance over the next five years. And, and Ryan, I, I know you're there too, whereby we're going to see both on the employer and employee side, a kind of decoupling of some of these norms. I think we're going to start to think of full-time work as an anachronism, something that used to happen, something that we used to think of in a certain way, but doesn't make sense anymore. And I think we're going to look at, at what's considered either full-time value or full-time value equivalent. I think we're going to look at, I want to pay for outcomes, and I'm not trying to buy or, or full-time lease people's time or lives. All I want is the actual thing I'm trying to get done. And I'm willing to pay whatever the maximum value is. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care who's involved. I just want to get it done. And I'm willing to pay a super fair, if not you know, larger price, to get that outcome. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly financers. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course, Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.